Welcome to another episode of Wisdom Weekends. This is week 347 of the uh, coronavirus quarantine episodes. We are uh, recording on April 19th. Spencer, how are you? Uh, when you said week 347, I had to briefly think, well, yeah, it feels like it. BJ, what's up? Uh, not too much. How's it going? Uh, Levi Bacter, you look to be in a really good mood. How you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Uh, we had snow a couple of days ago. I killed a hobo and harvested him like a like a tauntaun. Um, it's 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 great up here. Everything you wanted, everything you wanted from Boston. <laughs> Did you actually have snow? Yes. It, it has not not been below eighty every day the last week down here. Oh, oh, it was actually probably the most beautiful snow of the season in terms of like big flakes. It just you know wafting down it at it at a nice velocity, just beautiful. Um, a whole lot didn't stick, but we did have snow. That's something you and I share, Levi. I love snow. I love the cold weather. Welcome anytime, time, buddy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, BJ, anything you want to talk about before we jump into the episode? So, um, Mangum Reads is going on as, as usual, um, and we actually have started doing a little bit extra for um our so pottering around we've been doing some bonus content um there is a, a live stream of a harry potter escape room that is now available um great content i, I enjoyed that started a um reads, uh, facebook page so i'm not spamming all of my friends with <laughs> all the mangum reads <laughs> so um yeah so we have both of those things and hopefully we'll have um, some sort of like live stream or other content uh, that we put out along with Mangum Reads or Pottery Round as we're all in lockdown. So yeah, it's been fun. Well, one of the phenomenon that's happening to podcasts right now is that a lot of pods are having less listens because a lot of people listen in their car or, you know, when they're commuting in some way, um, but not Mangum Reads. People still listen to Mangum Reads, so shout out to you guys. Yeah, we have the same 10 people that <laughs> listen to everyone. And it hasn't changed. You say that, but you have more than 10 people that listen. <laughs> uh, cool. All right. Well, let's get into what we're drinking. Um, Spencer, what have you found? Uh, decided I want to pick something that actually had a label on it this time. So I'm going to go with what remains of my Tree Oak Ghost Hill Texas Bourbon Whiskey. What's one of the ones that I bought to send around to you guys? I liked it okay. So let's see if I still enjoy it. BJ, how do you feel about Spencer saying bourbon whiskey? It literally says bourbon whiskey on it. I'm just reading the label. I, I know. It's it's just one of those things that I've I've tried to start letting stuff like that go. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so every so often, like it has come up um, amongst friends here and stuff like that that I do uh, a whiskey podcast or um, whiskey in general come up, and and I have. I like participating in that conversation because like I have some opinions on whiskey and I always like to find out new whiskeys if people um, people drink and uh, very often things will come up like um, I really like bourbon whiskey um, but I don't like something else and it's like okay fine or um, I, I, I can't say whiskey, but I love bourbon. And then I try and just like walk myself away from those conversations because, because I know that like, I can't, I can't participate in like, yeah, the Yeah. It starts that, to fry your brain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 
I like when people say, um, I like bourbon, whiskey, and scotch. You're like, it's one or the other. You either add the whiskey on the end or you don't. But anyway, um, BJ, what are you drinking? Um, I have uh, dipping into some stores, uh, an 18-year-old light jig um, that my girlfriend brought back from uh, Scotland for me. So, uh, nice. yeah, I'm trying not to finish all of the... Uh, the Willets before before we get out of lockdown so I can share them. So I'm, I'm breaking out some of the other bottles I have. Um, yeah, I went to the liquor store two days ago to get uh, what I'm drinking here today. And I asked the guy behind the counter, hey, how are your sales going? And his eyes just got huge. And he's like, way up. <laughs> way up. Uh, Levi, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. What you drinking? I've, I've got a... Uh... Apropos of what BJ said, um, I've got a billet uh, or a Willet uh, bourbon. Um, it's a pot still reserve over here, which is one of the ones that I plan to send you guys at some point when, when and if society comes back. I'm looking forward to it, buddy. It's going to be great. Liberate. We have to liberate, guys. Liberate what? Oh, Lord. Are we going <laughs> to turn this into a revolution podcast? I, I, I would love that. Let's we need a revolution. <laughs> Been waiting for that his whole life. All right. Yeah. So I have, and I told you guys beforehand, but I have a little bit of a surprise here. I am going to make a cocktail um, on pod. And this is a Sazerac cocktail. Some say it's the oldest cocktail in America. And it's pretty much been debunked, but it comes out of New Orleans. And I'm going to start going through it now, if that's okay. Sold. Let's do it. So you start with ice. Fill your glass. And this is, so a lot of people make Sazeracs. I think more traditionally it's made with cognac. I'm going to make it with rye whiskey. I was going to say, um, I find it kind of funny because there's a company, Sazerac, Sazerac rye, presumably to make a Sazerac. Yeah, it, I think it's just kind of changed because I, I think this is a pre-Civil War cocktail that originated in New Orleans around a time when um, there was a lot of incarcerations and people were actually drinking in jail my understanding and and the cocktail kind of came out of, came out of there and they were using primarily cognac at the time but i think now if you go to a bar and you order a, a sazerac it's pretty much going to be rye i think that's the standard now so it's kind of shifted over time but i'm using a pikesville rye oh. readily readily available that is so pikesville rye is a maryland recipe rye and i actually grew up in pikesville Oh, cool. Yeah, no, I, I really like it, especially yeah. if I'm going to mix things. It's about a $50 price point. It's, it's kind of, it's good it's for kind of funny because it definitely jumped up because it used to be like one of the bottom shelf liquors. Um, before I started drinking whiskey, it's something that I noticed early on because I was like, oh, like Piceville, like I wonder what the story behind it is. And it used to be like a maybe 20, maybe $20 bottle of mm -hmm. whiskey. And people were like, oh, rye is tasty. It, it definitely shot up, along with uh, Evan Williams and a couple of other bottles that, that you know, again, like doubled or, or more in price. Heaven Hill, I think, did the same thing. Um, but yeah, it's readily available. That's why I, I usually use Pikesville when I'm making Sazerac. So you do about two ounces of uh, rye whiskey. So I'm going to add that here. And uh, traditionally, uh, the Sazerac is made with Peychaud bitters, but I use Angostura bitters. 
Probably y'all have seen this before, the oversized label. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I do three dashes of that. And then I do one spoonful of simple syrup. And that's the primary ingredients. Have you had this before? Yes, I, I have had this before many times. <laughs> just clarifying that point. Spencer, I, I just I, I imagine you going up to like a baby and being like, so have you had milk before? Is it something that you enjoy? Like, you know. It starts a conversation. It looks no, like you're I, entertained by this food. Like, I have had uh, this cocktail before, and I've kind of played around with the recipe a little bit, but this is kind of how I like it. I don't shake it because I don't want it to get watered down. So I just kind of put it in the shaking glass and let it sit there. And then the final step is to remove the glass or the ice from your glass and to rinse the cup with absinthe. I've got some absinthe here. <laughs> Spencer, that surprise you? Uh, yeah, it was a little cough garden. Yeah. There's an interest in like, oh, basically coat the Because absinthe is, uh, I would say, overwhelming if you uh, yeah. as a flavor. Um, so usually it's just a very, very minor amount. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's meant as sort of an accent here. Um, but you're not supposed to have any actual absinthe in the glass by the time you pour it. Uh, but you do want to coat the glass, like BJ said. So I'm going to dump the absinthe. And I'm going to pour in the drink here. Last step is to add in a lemon peel. A lemon peel, you can just take a knife, cut the rind off. You want to squeeze it before it goes in. Bang. There you go. Sazerac, guys. Cheers. Salud. Salud. All right. BJ, you okay with that recipe? Yeah, I'm good with that recipe. I mean, honestly, like, um, I like cocktails, but, um, like I usually just like straight whiskey and less of a thing, but, um, but yeah, I, I drank quite a number of Sazeracs when I had, um, what was it? Maybe it was Evan Williams. I sent out like a low price point whiskey and, and it was good. But like it wasn't worth drinking alone, and so um, I had those Australian bitters um, that I had brought around for New Year's, and so I had a number of essentially sazeracs uh, with that, which was quite tasty. Nice. Yeah, it's one of my favorite cocktails. I would say between that and the old fashioned, those are my two favorites. So, BJ, I don't want to move past this uh, and forget this moment here, but you clearly make a distinction between whiskey that's good enough to drink alone and that which re requires the other people, which I really like. That's like a sort of saving grace trying to keep you from alcoholism of saying I'm not going to drink just garbage stuff. Yeah, I go well, the other way with it. Well, it, I, I, I would ahead, say it's quite garbage stuff because, like, um, it, it's measuring out like what i'm gonna drink because like i, I could just you know i could drink you know a, a drink or two a day and and then go through a shit ton of whiskey because I'm, I'm home every day um and and like 
I don't know, not doing anything particularly useful with my life other than data analysis. So, um, yeah. yeah I, I was saying I go the other way. Like if I'm going to drink like alone, I'll drink the cheap stuff. But if I'm, if I have nice stuff, I'm like, oh, I need to save this for when people are around. I think the the cheap stuff that I that I was talking about Sharon was like a specific specific time where I I sent you guys like the two ends of like a rye spectrum where it was the um I see the bottle I just can't see the label but it was the midwinter nice dram I think and then another uh dollar, dollar bottle and so like the the $15 bottle like I'm not going I'm not going to do it Yeah, no, I hear you. That was a good episode because I think we we all kind of were like, eh, they're about as good as each other, and the price point was very different. Spencer, how do you like what you're drinking? Ah, uh, <laughs> it's okay. I'm actually not think I'm enjoying it quite as much as I did the first time around. I think we made Spencer into a bit of a snob. It's really kind of sad now because I've got a whole collection of liquor that I now am looking at, going, eh, well, you know, this is fine. Well, uh, so Spencer, just keep keep drinking, and you'll go the other way. Where you'll just drink whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. Spencer, I'm going to reference uh, Megan Talks TV here. You know what this moment is? This is when Greg is on the dock um, near the yacht, and he's drinking a rosé. Succession, and not he's my like, favorite. <laughs> not my favorite, but I'll drink it. You know. <laughs> God, I'm having those Greg moments now. What have you guys done to me? BJ, how's your Willet? Uh, that's Levi. Sorry, Levi. <clears throat> so it is uh, pretty darn delicious. Um, it's got a bit of a uplifting bite to it, uh, which is nice. Um, I almost harken back to um, what were those, what was the cereal from our childhood that was the honeycombs? I think it was honeycombs. <laughs> um, so it's it, it's like having a, a bowl of honeycombs on like a Saturday morning. Like you're, you, you have a nice little sweetness to it, a little anticipation, like you're hyped. Um, Levi getting into the how woo. Yeah, I was going to say, when are, when are we going to get how woo on this? Let's uh, please get him uh, soon. Yeah, soon, soon. It's funny how how running for state senate in South Carolina, um, go to howwooamazing.com, I believe, it's a campaign website. Um, and it was so bad that I edits before you actually I know I immediately went to my wife and I was like, Hey, Sarah, would you be willing to edit this copy? Because <laughs> this is his external website, uh, out to voters. And there's a lot of issues with it. Did she agree to that? Yep. And how gave her access to all of this stuff. So she's going through it now. She's officially a member of the campaign. Mm -hmm. That's right. How amazing. Yeah. My the theory was that she saw it and then like insisted in like, basically like called up how is just like how like you have to give me access to this like i, I can't see this <laughs> see this on the on the internet without being able to edit like he he doesn't believe in the asteroid comma that 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 just oh, you know oh so would not vote for him you know just just flash without an asteroid comma so you would have been right if she had seen the website before i did yeah. But once she saw it, she's like, oh, yeah, I have to do this. This is atrocious. <laughs> How's your whiskey? Um, it's good. I mean, so I sent out uh, a 15-year Leachig uh, a 
couple months ago now, I think it was, and and um, it was that and the um, oh, what was the other one? Uh, I can't remember offhand. Anyway, um, and so this is good. This is just deeper and smokier, and and just just a lovely, lovely whiskey. Um, so highly recommend it. Um, I would say Lichig is probably one of my favorite like middle of the road in terms of smokiness and peat. If you don't want to like knock your socks off with an art bag or, or, or something like that. Um, but you want sort of a nice, uh, doesn't kill your palate a little bit on, on the nicer side of things. Strong recommendation there from BJ. I may put the name of that in the podcast notes and also do the recipe for the Sazerac. Sounds good. Um, so before this started, I asked Levi um, what he thought of the upcoming Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls documentary, and he very firmly said we needed to discuss it on pod. So Levi, what are your thoughts? Okay, so um, Spencer and and uh, DJ, so this is the only thing that is uniting them. America. America is going to descend into civil war if there was not for this Michael Jordan documentary. Do tell. So Donald Trump starts out his campaign with making America great again, which is we're making TV great again. We're making sports great again. We're hearkening back to the time when the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan, UNC alum, North Carolina native, um, played in the NBA and just dominated the league. Like likes that no one has seen. The previous greatest of all times, uh, you know, in the conversation, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, he slit their throats, left them for dead and moved on and ascended. This is going to be amazing. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to learn something. We're going to learn something about ourselves. We're going to learn that we could be great, too. And this is what we're going to get out of this documentary. This is 10 hours to save America. Terry, what are your thoughts? I just co-sign everything you just said. That's the only thing everybody agrees on is that we want to see this. Um, so for folks who don't know the backstory, uh, the final season um, that the Bulls, as we knew them in the 90s, were together. So that would mean Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, and Phil Jackson were all together. It was 1998, and they won the championship. And apparently, Jordan paid a film crew to just almost like the office, just stay in the room all the time. He's kept the footage on shelves. Around 2016, he said, yeah, we can make this a documentary. Now there are some theories about why he chose that particular time frame. Uh, <laughs> but now we get it. And it's a 10 hours following the Bulls during that final season, all access. It's gonna debut tonight. This is April 19th at nine o'clock and they're gonna do two episodes every Sunday night for five weeks and we're hyped. It's something I think like BJ, BJ and Spencer, I know you guys aren't big basketball fans, but I still, I think you guys might like this. I was actually thinking about it. The only NBA game I've ever seen was I saw, um, I think it was 1993 when the Bulls played the Hornets in Charlotte. That's the only NBA game I've ever seen. Oh, you so mean live. Okay. Yeah. In person. In person. Like, okay. We definitely a couple on TV. We definitely badgered you into watching some, some, some games uh, yes. on, on TV. I'm with you guys. <laughs> exactly. Like drag him out to a bar and one's on. But yeah, no, that's the only one you saw live. You saw Jordan live. That's good. So one of my it's, it's my favorite things about Jordan, um, it would be a little bit more recently, uh, but uh, there are a lot of uh, Jordan articles in in Illinois uh, because he played for for the Bulls. But very very often when they did retrospective in Illinois, 
uh, publications, they, after, like, by the time I was there, they played down the North Carolina thing a lot because in uh, 05, Illinois lost to UNC, uh, 77-70. Um, and, and so that's like a, a huge sore point. So I went to grad school at University of Illinois, and it's a huge sore point there that they lost to, to UNC. And it's come up a number of times, um, like in, in my life, actually, which is like the weirdest thing to me. Um, but it was something that I noticed when they would talk about Jordan, like there would be almost no reference to him being a Tar Heel. Um, and I just thought that was really funny because a lot of times retrospectives will play that up and talk a lot more about like, his time um, at UNC and that being fairly formative for like what happened later in his career. I enjoy the spicy. I'm glad, I'm glad they're sour about it. It's good. Shows yeah. me hurting. Um, it, one of my favorite things that, that ever happened to me because it was completely random and made absolutely no sense to me was I was at a bar um, in at university of Illinois hanging out, and I was wearing a UNC t-shirt because I have UNC t-shirts and, and I wear them. Um, and this big dude walks up to me and it's just like, dude, fuck. I'm just like, what are you talking about? He's like, why are you wearing a UNC shirt? I was like, I went there. I like them. He's like, all right, props. And like walks, like puts out a fist, dab, walks away. And I was just like, well, that was super weird. And then somebody else from like his table comes over and he and he's just like, dude, that was like our point guard, our senior point guard. And and he was a little pissed off that you were wearing a UNC t-shirt going to University of Illinois, because you know, we we lost in 2005. I was like, okay, cool, I guess. Like I had no idea who he was. I don't follow Illinois basketball, they're bad. So that's a that's an interesting story because in North Carolina traditionally UNC is kind of the the state school. Like if you didn't go to college and you follow collegiate sports, the majority of people are going to support UNC. That's just kind of how it's traditionally been. But going back to like Eastern North Carolina where I'm from, if I would wear a North Carolina shirt, I'd get like Duke fans who would come up and be like what are you just some bandwagon? And then I say, "No, actually I'm going there or I've been there. You know, I went there." And then they're like, okay, that's fine. Oh, it checks out. Like you get a pass. if you <laughs> Exactly. It's like you get a pass. There's a reason for you to wear it. You're just, you're not just trying to, to stir the pot. Like you're not just being an asshole. It's like, okay. By the way, Terry, your story's rich because there are a bunch of racist people <laughs> from Eastern <laughs> that like do because it has white people on the team um, who are gatekeeping your UNC fandom um, when they have zero chance of, uh, of attending Duke or anyone in their family attending Duke. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and if they went to Duke's campus, they wouldn't like it. Like they just, they just like that Christian Leitner and JJ Reddick played for him. Uh, but on this Michael Jordan documentary, I was reading an interview. So Michael Jordan's been making like the rounds. He's actually doing interviews like with the morning shows and some of the late night shows to promote it. And he said, <laughs> this is a great quote. He says, uh, well, when people watch this, I'm scared they're going to think I'm kind of an asshole. And I was like, Michael, what are you talking about? We all think you're an asshole. <laughs> If anybody has followed Michael Jordan's career, we think he's an asshole. This doc's not going to change my mind about that. Yeah, that, that ship sailed a long time ago. He's talking about the kid that don't have any real sense memories of that era. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, those, those, those who followed the NBA at that time, we all realized that he was 
absolute asshole. Just someone who, who, who demanded excellence and, and would fight you if you didn't achieve what he wanted you to. Um, didn't he so punch great. Steve Kerr in the face once? He, he did punch Steve Kerr. Yes, he fought Steve Kerr. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, okay, well, that's the MJ documentary. Uh, we can do reviews on it in subsequent weeks. Go ahead, BJ. Yeah, I was going to say, so speaking of interviews, uh, one of the things that, that I'd watched before, but I started binging a little bit was his Hot Ones. Oh, yeah, I love that show. I would love to see Jordan on Hot Ones. That would just be like the, like, I think he wouldn't, I think, I think like he would have signed up, he, he'd eat like three wings and be like, this isn't worth my time. I don't like this. And just like walk oh, out. No, that is absolutely wrong. He would never sign up to do it, but if he started it, he'd eat, it, it didn't matter how many. I mean, you could do 20. I, I could see him just wings, like eating a couple and being like, you can't really, like, no. So, so BJ, I, th I think you're sort of, you're not taking the hypothetical seriously, right? So the hypothetical was that Jordan has enough respect for the process and, and for the people making it and for the audience that he's yeah, going to the show. True. And that, that, that would that, never he, happen. He'd, yeah. he'd want to dominate, but he, he would never, yep. he would never be there. Uh, but if he were to want to do that, uh, he would absolutely dominate um, and, and wouldn't quit. Um, so I think you're just sort of missing that key point, which is he gets absurdly combat, you know, uh, Competitive over like like arbitrary things. Um, we, I hope, hopefully yeah. the docs uh, cover that. Like him just gambling on random things. Um, him just you know <laughs> making absurd bets that he has no reason to to succeed on, um, which is always some of the greater stories of of Michael Jordan, in my opinion. Yeah, no, Levi's right. I think he would probably start trying to compete on that show in a way that like it's not doesn't line up with the format like he'd be like how who who got through him the fastest and it's like well michael we really don't time that he's like well go back and check it i'm gonna go faster than that. <laughs> see what happens <laughs> and my great the great like jordan lore story of his competitiveness is after he um he retired a couple years later he was on a on his yacht with a bunch of his friends and he was feeling like angsty to be competitive. And so what he did is the next time they were at port, he bought a bunch of crossword puzzle books, you know, like the like 80 year old people use. <laughs> and then he made sizable bets with everybody on who can complete the puzzles the fastest. And then they, they did that on the yacht. <laughs> Which I was like, God, Jordan sounds like a bad hang. Did he win? <laughs> of course he won. Yeah. Okay, sure. I mean, he like. I also imagine like half the puzzles being unfinished. Like, also, I imagine like, like everyone else in the yacht being like, oh, "I don't care about this. Like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do, do, do enter a couple of words and then go drink some rosé." Um, like, he's calling people up and it's just like, "All right, guys, uh, I need a five-letter word that means a hard black rock. Like, you know, help me out here." They also knew this is Jordan's yacht, and if Jordan loses this, it's we're not going to have a good vacation. <laughs> <laughs> Put him in a bad mood. Um, I, I know we had talked about it in, in in the past, but but after this binge, I definitely want to do something something similar. Years, uh, I don't know something like uh, a hot wing Sword type challenge. Oh, oh, okay, oh. <laughs> yeah. Totally thought you meant crossword puzzles. Then. So did I. I was like, that sounds really not fun. Um, I, I like crossword puzzles, but the competitive crosswords over New Year's half lit is not my idea of fun. Well, no, the spicy wing challenge would be fun, though. That was kind of like something similar to what we did in Nashville with the hot chicken. I would lose that very hard. 
I was thinking so, so, something that that is is tied to something else, and and one of the the random things that I'd come up with is would be like hot shots poker, where like you can supplement your stack by by doing increasingly uh, spicier wings or uh, alcohol that we find distasteful, like Fireball, Jaeger. Ooh, Jaeger, yeah. Spencer's just like, no, I'm, I'm just not going to play. There's no winning. <laughs> you've, made, you've, made, you've made a monetary incentive. I'm totally going to do it, and then I hate myself doing it. So I respect the idea. It, that's an awesome idea. If you can get buy-in, I'm in. But I, I want to make sure people are actually locked in and ready to do this, not people that are going to bow out after five minutes. Spencer, that's you. I mean, but, no, well, I'm in. So, so I guess my, my thought right. would be it it'd be like a tournament style where you have a starting stack and like you can supplement it, but like if you if you get cleared out, you some unpleasant to essentially rebuy in or whatever. I mean, I think the last time I played poker's group with you guys was at Josh's place over one of those New Year's before we started making uh, Lee your place our standard, and I bought in twice. So yeah, I was playing. We're not really talking about the poker. We're talking about the unpleasant thing you have to do. Stack. I attend this. I attend this every week. I'm very much willing to do unpleasant things for you guys. Oh, damn. Oof. Oof. Spencer, Spencer throwing shit down. All right. Spencer will be poor make giggles live in in, in Jacksonville. <laughs> uh, chuckles at Yonkers. Check him out. Uh, okay, uh, I only have one other topic before I open it up that I wanted to talk about. Um, so I'm working from home now, obviously. I think all of you guys are. Does anybody use Zoom? Yep. Um, once for mediation recently. Okay. Um, have you ever been Zoom bombed? No, not yet. Not in that one call, now. So I haven't either, but I have a coworker who did. And it literally is just like you read about it. So someone just random number generator on their meeting code came in and immediately started streaming some extremely inappropriate porn <laughs> a staff meeting that was like 18 people so how badly do you want this to happen to you lee well i can't well so when this happened interesting when this happened our company said okay uh now the rule is every meeting has to be password protected otherwise we won't authorize it so I have to password protect it, but I, for no other reason than the story, I was like, man, that would have been an interesting call to be on. Follow-up question. Um, so you said some extremely inappropriate porn. Is there appropriate porn, or are you just saying that it was it was very vulgar, in some way? I, I don't, I don't, I can't debate the appropriateness of all porn, but I can say that this was particularly tough. Okay. Okay. No zoom bombs, but. It's just amazing to me, like internet trolls, like who, who does this? Like <laughs> I got an afternoon, I'm just going to sit and just random number generate so I can stream porn onto somebody's business uh, meeting. I mean, honestly, God, I feel so, like that, that was sounds, something that we could have gotten up to when we were in college and bored. Cause like sounds, online sounds really fun, honestly. <laughs> Are you Zoom bombing people? I, I'm not uh, because I'm, <laughs> I'm a grown person, but I'm just saying that if I was 19, that sounds hilarious. I've got a court hearing tomorrow that I'm pretty sure is on Zoom. I'm just trying to imagine how a judge is going to react if that kind of that kind of thing happens right in the middle of it. Find you in contempt, sir. <laughs> you random number that's appeared. <laughs> oh, 
Um, I, I think if if the judge has a sense of humor, I think the, the I know it when I see it, and that is not art. <laughs> That's well good. done. Well done. <laughs> nice, VJ. <laughs> All right, cool. Anything you guys want to talk about? I was going to say, like, asking who who does stuff like that. I mean, we did stuff like that when we were in college uh, to each other. You guys to each other. Well, no, not just not, not to each other. You guys remember Doug and the guys on Xbox Live? No. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, I... I... Doug, for a, cer for a certain period, would start putting on a woman's voice to convince various random people he was finding Xbox Live that he was a woman and that he was hitting on them and that wanted to meet them at various places and things. Okay, so Doug used to catfish people. Yes, Doug used to catfish people. Like trying to, you know, get them to tell the most sexy stories they know and things like that. He did that for, a, like, you know, a few months there. Anybody else remember this? You just torpedoed his his presidential run. I, I just want you to know that right now. Current climate, he'll get more votes if he did that. Yeah, so yeah, but that that was done to that was done to third parties too outside of our immediate circle. Did you ever try to get him to like meet him somewhere, and then just of course he didn't show up, so they just <laughs> wasted a trip to like a never took it that far. Just had extensive okay. conversations, would record various uh, clips of him moaning into the mic and send it to them, just things like that. Gosh, <laughs> Doug, what are you doing? <laughs> he straightened out once he went to the military. Let's just <laughs> put that out there. Locker room talk. That's just locker room talk, guys. Uh, um, well, if we want to do on brand, I got a couple stories I accumulated over the last week. Yeah, fire away. Uh, have you guys ever received one of those uh, Nielsen surveys in the mail? 100%. Yes. Uh, Did it include Levi? Um, and do you, are you referring to the simple um, ask you five questions or the booklet that is, is 40 pages? Uh, mine was probably about two pages worth of few questions. Did you send that in and then get the secondary one? And also, they send you cash in the mail? That's insane. This was the exact reason that I sent it in. This is going to the on-brand, is that I saw this, and I, for no apparent reason, was about to throw it away, but I held it to the light and saw there was cash inside. And so I opened it up, and it was like, hey, here's a dollar. Please fill out the survey. And I just had an emotional reaction of where I just felt like, okay, I've been paid now. I feel compelled to do this. And so I send it off. Then they sent me a longer one that had $5 inside. So I felt compelled and I sent that off. Of course you did. Then they, uh, the $5 one included a call thing saying, if we may call you in the next week and we'll pay you $20. And it's just been this progressive build of where more and more of my time is now spent on Nielsen surveys because they have prepaid me. Mm -hmm. I, sp I spent about, oh, uh, probably about an hour on the most recent call of where they just oh asked asked me all kinds of questions where I'm sure I was exceptionally disappointing in, their, in my answers, where they wanted to know what radios, uh, radio stations I listened to, what television shows I watched, a lot of questions about sports. And I, there was a point of where she was starting to get frustrated with me because the answer to so many of the questions was none. It's like, well, what radio stations do you listen to? It's like, well, I haven't left my house in three weeks and you're asking the last seven days. So none. And even before then, NPR on the way to work. What uh, what what, what uh, sports do you watch on television? What sports stations do you watch? Uh, well, none really. I could tell how frustrated she was getting with me. She double checked my age about twice through the survey to confirm how old I was. Um, but <laughs> yeah, apparently I'm locked in now because they're going to call me again in about a week, and this time it's an extra twenty dollars. And I, because they keep prepaying and sending me money, I feel obliged to keep going through this. Curious if any of the rest of you have been caught in that loop. 
BJ, you know how you did the um, just send Josh and Becky a bunch of stuff for a fish tank and see if they'll buy fish? Yep. I think we could probably do something similar with Spencer, right? Just send him like 20 bucks from an unknown company, ask him to do something. Yeah. You can do it. Almost certainly. Yeah. There's, if there's money in the envelope, I'm probably going to complete that thing because I'd feel too bad otherwise. So like when you get like, uh, have to like put in for Spencer to just do our taxes, <laughs> I feel like it'd be like 10 bucks. It's like, here's the relevant information. Can you just fill out these forms? Here's a self-addressed stamped envelope. Like I'll check it your, once you're done. How complex are your tax returns? Mm. paying you spencer it doesn't matter pretty easy probably for all of us uh, it's interesting you tell that story spencer because a couple years ago uh, the company i work for uh, does a lot of survey work it's like 30 40 percent of our business is these massive uh, nas- uh nationwide surveys and i got i got a survey from them but it had a two dollar bill in it a two dollar bill not two dollars a two dollar bill levi just perked up yeah. We just got Levi the most excited he's ever been on pod because he just heard that you could get a $2 bill in the mail. Yeah. So I completed the survey, but it made me, it definitely made me think of Levi. Uh, I was like, oh, $2 bill. That's, that's interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a nice uh, novelty for the company. I was going to say that that does remind me of a story that, that you wouldn't know about, Lee, that um, because uh for your wedding you basically ask that people not give you presents yes and and so we had this like back and forth as like we were talking about like what we were going to do and you were very insistent and just like whatever just like give me cash by the way everybody getting married wants cash i I was just one that said it but everybody wants cash don't disagree at all like 100 percent understand um and so we went to like three or four banks looking for twos. I think I did hear this story. Um, and I don't, I don't remember like what, what we ended up, I, I think we just like had, we just like gave up and like found a place that might've had a couple and then just like handed you a wad of ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went to a few different banks trying to find twos. Yes. It, it, it was like we were just driving around uh, basically the Triangle area stopping. It's, oh, there's a bank. And run, half of them run in. closed, I think, because it was like a Saturday or whatever. But Spencer, we, we, we needed your, your teller, your bank teller uh, connections right there. I was in the car, but I was being very unhelpful. I just set the car and waited as you guys kept on doing things. <laughs> so we referenced it. But Levi, do you want to explain to the, the, the listeners your affinity for the $2 bill? Um, so I think two dollar bills are fun. I think it's I think it's an interesting quirk of our our uh, um, our monetary supply that we have two dollar bills. Most people know that they exist, but they haven't seen one in quite some time. So I think it's very fun to get them. Um, also, I think it's very fun to bring ring smiles to the tellers' uh, faces when you, you go there and say I like to make a withdrawal, and they're like, okay, so so what do you want? And I was like, well, your two dollar bills, okay. Um, much do you want and i was like how much do you have i'll take all of them i i 100 imagine you just like just give me all of them like you, like you a, don't have enough like a, to like cover the amount in my account so just like give me what you have levi's like a bank robber <laughs> how much do you want whatever you got um i'm like well i mean you, you clean out your drawer uh go to your colleagues and clean out theirs like 
This is. <laughs> yeah, typically, typically for when I was a teller, I'm, every teller would have like three or four twos. We'd have full stacks of everything else, big, big reams in our, in our lower vault. But twos would be like a few that we'd hand out randomly to people if we wanted to. It was not a heavy supply we'd have on hand. Yeah, like kids no, and stuff. But the uh, the tellers did like. They were very tickled at that. Like, like generally, if you're specific with a teller and say, "I want it in hundreds or twenties or fives or tens, they get annoyed. That's that that's impinging on their freedom to to yeah. to quickly and efficiently clear you and get you out that's of the nice way. With our drawer. Um, but if you say twos, they suddenly are like, <laughs> "Who's this person? This person has a bit of whimsy to them." Um, so yeah, I mean, two dollar bills is obviously awesome. Uh, Spencer, I will say this is you've just crystallized the difference between you and I. So. Um, I have done the Nielsen surveys. I've done a lot of Nielsen surveys, and I did them explicitly for two purposes. One, I respect the 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 the, met, the testing methodology they're using by sending it, sending cash um, in the envelope, so that it makes people feel like they're committed to doing it, even though there's no reason to. That's that money's yours. You can do whatever you want. Um, but two, I I want to go against the baby boomers. I want to let people know that no one watches that, no one listens to radio, no one watches TV. Stop it. Um, like. Streaming is the way of the future. Um, and also, I got a kick out of uh, giving answers that were very odd for a person who lives in Massachusetts, uh, because it was it happened maybe a month or so after I joined or I moved up here. And so I um, I was answering questions, you know, like, yes, I've been to the PNC arena. Yes, I've been to these things in North Carolina where I just lived, which I'm sure from like a, a sample methodology. Messed up their stats. It's <laughs> retarded. Like no one from Boston is going down to the North Carolina State Fair. That's not a regular thing. Um, but yes, that was the reason why I did it, whereas you did it purely out of obligation because you're a good human being, um, whereas I sort of like intellectually respected what they're doing. Yeah, like they're they're going to release a survey. It's like twenty percent of people in Massachusetts have been to the PNC Arena. <laughs> you answered the question. You remind Levi. You remind me with respect to the tellers and twos. I guess I've told you on the podcast of when uh, I was making regular bank customers because I kept on paying them in twos every Friday. Yep, I do yep. remember that. That was that was great. I I love how accommodating you are, and just like how difficult that made your life. I mean, it originally started just because they put me in the Friday branch of where it was in a major work area, and that's where everybody went to cash their paychecks, and I was very overwhelmed. So I got to a customer, and I was like, I've got nothing left, and so I just handed him a lot of twos to pay him, and he was just so mad. Okay, thanks. I counted them before. Okay. Just dropping stacks. <laughs> reached in, grabbed a handful, and be like, this seems about right. Just get out of here. Just run. And, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is why Spencer is no longer a bank teller. <laughs> There are other reasons beyond that. Um, <laughs> yeah, hmm? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but just because I paid a couple people in a row in twos because that was all I had, they just kept on coming back to me every time they came into the bank. Like the other tellers would be available and they would wait for me because I was the two guy and I could get them twos. Funny. A, a pro tip for everybody out there. Um, if you want to endear yourself to a bank teller, I've done this move multiple times. Go in and you're, you're doing like a cash uh, withdrawal. And when they say, how do you want it? Say like 20s. But then add this sentence on. If that doesn't mess up your cash drawer. If you say that, dear yourself to the bank teller. They remember you. Um, there's a uh, drive-in movie theater that's fairly close to uh, Champaign in uh, University of Illinois. And they give all of their cash change in twos. 
and that's like one of the draws that that they have is like you know if, you know whatever you pay like you'll you'll get change in twos and so people like show up and i have no memories to like what the entry fee costs but like people will pay in like larger bills just to get like a stack of twos so that proves Levi's point right yeah that twos are fun 100 percent um i i also think that like Levi, I think you're you're overestimating the number of people that know that twos exist and that like are reasonably aware of, of the two dollar bill. I, I hear what you're saying. I think you have been on the internet too much and you're focusing on stories of people being really stupid on the internet. I think most people understand that two dollars uh, two dollar bills exist. I think I've had a, a pretty large sampling of working people across um, the southeast. Oh. Um and and they they all understand that uh <laughs> Working people, mm. like two dollar bills and fifty cent pieces. Like I feel like that's a, like, I I I don't think that people like don't understand that they're legal tender. But I think that it'd just be like, oh, I've never seen this before. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, I mean, I th fifty cent pieces I think are actually uh, less thought of. Like like they have JFK on them, right? I, JFK, I, yeah, I, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not seeing one in in so many years. Um, Eisenhower, if they're old enough. I would say that like the Sacagawea dollar and the two dollar bill are are, are are in a similar class of just like, oh yeah, that, that does exist. It's a little weird. Yeah, and that's something our country needs to get better at. I know we're going long on monetary policy right now, but I mean, we need at least a dollar and five dollar coins, right? Like like they have in the EU. I mean, we've essentially always had, like not always, but for a long time, we've had dollar coins. I mean, there was the Susan B. Anthony before the Sacagawea, yeah. which if people I've, weren't familiar. More of them, yeah. I paid I paid a guy in Susan B. Anthony's and there was doubt. That guy had questions. Thought you were paying Canadian money. <laughs> he did not believe it was US currency. It was like even up to the bank manager to ask about it and confirm that I'd given him real money. He carried you and asked on your manager? God. Oh yeah. He went with, with the bank manager up front in some way. He wanted to verify this was actual legal currency. I think we need an RBG coin. Yeah. What what, what uh denomination it would be but but i just want to like drop rbgs and, and buy something the mint has tried so hard to make the dollar coin record things like i said it would save a lot of money they'd be a lot it'd be a lot better idea but apparently americans just have a hard time accepting them i don't like carrying around coins so like i understand that well levi aren't there some form of payments that would be difficult without the dollar bill uh, yeah, I mean there there are some <laughs> some transactions that, that do require actual bills. Um, but you know what, Terry? Um, I believe in the innovation of the, the American economy to to, to adapt to a, a dollar coinage world, um, and I think that that, that could work. Um, we all have to make sacrifices to make make America great again. I mean, we we need the American version of a loony and a tuning. Like that that just has to happen. Oh, we're not calling them. That's that's rude. I mean, yeah. like, it makes it makes me want to invade. I hear that damn, uh, damn words. <laughs> Lee, in reference to your point, one of the reasons the Susan B. Anthony didn't uh, catch on was kept on kept on breaking uh, vending machines because vending machines weren't rated to take a dollar coin. It kept on clogging them up whenever people tried to use them on there. Well, I mean, I, I think we have the technology now, right? Uh, there's many ways they could it would it would work. They could make it work. It's just they'd have to fix a few things, and apparently, that's enough of a roadblock not to do it. I'm gonna be completely honest. In terms of things that I wanna want America to do, I'd, I'd move. I put move to the metric system pretty high up there, and it's a and, bigger and, move. And the metal coinage uh, for for low denomination um, 
monetary units. I, I put that down pretty down far low. Where would dropping the penny be on just like level of priority? Pretty high for me. Higher than the dollar dollar coin. Agreed. I'm glad we have so many opinions of the dollar coin. policy. I I I really don't like dealing with cash, especially coins. Like I I don't. I I loved 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 going to Japan. It was a great experience. I hundred percent want to do it again. I think everybody on this pod should. That that was my choice of places that I would make everybody go. I don't understand why they have a a cash society and the amount of coins that you just have in your pockets when you're there. It's just like handfuls, and they're so, and and you just like sit and like, coins too. Ah, you just sit and play with them, and it's just I hate it. So so BJ, I mean, I think some of that. You know, this is someone who who's not a world traveler by any stretch of the imagination, but someone who's, who's been overseas a few times at various places. The reason why it sucks is because it has no it has no value. Like in in, in Europe, where you've got you know one euro uh, coins, or in 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 the UK and Canada, when you have these coins that have real money attached to them, it, it, it okay, fair enough, right? Otherwise, you're carrying around thirty two cents in your pocket. And you're like, this is really annoying. Like, I can't do anything with the it. The other side of it, the coins go up to like essentially a five dollar coin. Like it's it's not like it, it has no value. It's just there's a huge breath and you just get coins all the time. I think coins are, are better, but I, I agree with you, BJ, that like we now in 2020 shouldn't be in a cash society. Like we we kind of gone past that a little bit. I think there's still some industries that require cash. Is that right? <laughs> okay. Uh is is high up there. Like you just you just get paid and like you know, a couple singles yeah, all the time. Yeah, I will. Um, you know, call it again. Yet again, uh, I do not work in IT, but <laughs> this is the awkward I mean... conversation between between you guys, especially Spencer, who's like, oh, I thought you did. Oh, who knew? Yeah, but you've clarified it once, and now I will. That thought will never lose my mind. No matter how many times you change your job going forward, I now have clarification, and that will not alter. Right. Like at being paid as a librarian, like whatever, whatever it is that, that you've decided your your career is. <laughs> yeah, you know, sort of micropayments, those sort of things. Um, BJ or Levi, do you have any on brand or Spencer, if you have another one? I have another one, but we can let everybody else talk. We went on numismatic policy for a lot longer than I thought we would. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've got an on brand. Um, so I've, I think I mentioned to you guys before uh, that I have a little bit of reckless disregard when it comes to, to coronavirus, right? Um, I know I've mentioned before, and I, I do apologize again for, for licking the, the bus. Um, I mean, <laughs> I think it could be classified as, over here. As, as, as me being a bit, bit callous in terms of, of my health and safety. So this has been the cause or source of tension between my girlfriend and I. She she wants to make sure that, that we stay safe and I don't really care. Um, so in this back and forth, I, I think we've gotten to a, a relatively healthy place, but there's still around the margins, a couple of situations that, that haven't been defined as in terms of whether they're appropriate to wash hands or whether it's, a, it's actually entirely okay, right? You don't wash your hands every second of the day. You have to do it in certain circumstances when you've been exposed potentially. Um, so we're negotiating that boundary. Um, the method that I've determined to see whether or not she actually cares about whether or not um, I wash my hands is that 
you know, she'll give a little look on her face when she, and she'll look at my hands and then look away. Um, and in, in that circumstance, it, it inspires me to, to do the following, which is to go up to her and slowly bring my, my hand to her face and see if she shies away. If she shies away, <laughs> I understand that I need to go wash my hands and that actually is important to her. Um, otherwise, yeah, just continue on. Okay. Very on brand. Look, I have a comment on that. It's just, that's just this distilled Levi. There was an article metric of, of making people uncomfortable and that being like something that, that is something that you have to accept and move forward with is hasn't changed. Like you're surprisingly, you, you're a surprising experimentalist in like social behaviors. Most people will like observe things around them and just like pick up habits. You're much more of the, like, I'm going to try stuff out and, and use people's reactions to gauge what's acceptable as opposed to like observing the world around me. Yeah. So I like to think of myself as a thought leader. Okay. All right. Look out corporate speak. <laughs> That's the action item. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Energy. Uh, what was it that you put on your resume? Uh, 26 years of general troubleshooting experience because it was My a favorite thing I've ever seen on a resume. <laughs> it was a, it was a fourth option. They forced you to give an answer. So I was like, yeah, you, you assholes go ahead. The best thing about that is that Levi did like Levi put it on his resume and forgot he did it. <laughs> Stayed there for a while. <laughs> it was just like sort of like normal course of business for him. And I, I've said this many times, I probably said it on pod. If I got a resume in that actually hit my desk that said 26 years of general problem solving experience and the person was 26 years old, I would have to interview them. <laughs> Probably not hiring them, but I've got to talk to them. Um, so I have a quick on brand um, that, that I feel like shows a little bit of improvement of, of how I, I deal with um, certain other, other people. So, um, I went into the lab because I had some experiments that I, that if I didn't do soon, basically I, I would have to throw stuff out. Um, and I was in the other day and I go to, to unlock my office and there's a key stuck in there. And, and so this means that, uh, the, uh, tech that I share an office with, uh, I guess something happened and, and her key got stuck and I didn't need to get into my office, uh, but I wanted to, because I have my, my coffee cup in there and I wanted coffee cause it was early in the morning. Cause I like to work early in the morning. Um, and so I played around with the key and I jailed around and it's like, it wasn't coming on un unstuck quickly. So I started basically, uh, the experiment that I need to do started that running. And, and so there's a bunch of downtime. And so, um, basically I try a bunch of things to get the key unstuck and I eventually do. Um, and one of the things that I did was basically hit it with a hammer, but, uh, basically there's a certain way to do it that, that is likely to, uh, free up the pins and, and allow you to take it out. Um, and so I did, and, and I texted her. And I had this overwhelming urge to explain to her what a bump key is that didn't. And, and I just wanted to share with you guys that, that, that I've improved because I didn't spend like 
10 minutes explaining to this this random person what a bump key is as some essentially random trivia that that I kind of know. Um, and, and so that was my uh, on brand of the week that, that I didn't. Can you clarify what a bump key is to you? Because I might have a different idea of what that is. <laughs> OK, uh, a bump key is basically uh, a key that is somewhat filed down that you can use to to open doors and you bump them, basically have the pins aligned so you can get into a lock that might not otherwise have access to. Okay. All right. Got it. Thank you. Um, I bumping key have attributions to other things, but I think the the phrase bump key is a little bit more specific. Okay. Understood. <laughs> so a uh, couple of thoughts there. Um, so uh, DJ. Um, yeah. Managed to be condescending about what is if effectively you just hitting something with a hammer, and it, like, you just you just bash something, and you're like, yeah, well, I mean, I was I, I was using I was hitting it in such a way that it came out, which is which is a very political framing of I just smashed the shit out of a hammer, um, and it eventually it came out. <laughs> cool. I would also like to point out that BJ congratulated himself for knowing something and not telling it to someone else. Uh huh. I, but I think that that's reasonable, right? I, I'm just saying this is a Chris Rock getting credit for thing, things you're supposed to do uh, situation. <laughs> yep, yep. That's a good callback to that bit. Um, uh, BJ, BJ, BJ. <laughs> um, I will say, uh, just as a pro tip, and this is something that's recently happened, um, knowing things that involve criminality uh, amongst most people like gets you classified as a certain, certain type of person. So, for instance, um, my boss uh, had a situation where his, his his credit card was used to buy um, some postage and, and a couple of other things. Um, and he mentioned he was sort of tracking tracking this down. He was he was playing Law and Order um, in in Minnesota, and he was sort of tracing down um, the flow of a package that was purchased using his credit card, um, and it was shipped to an abandoned building. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, they they put it put it to a drop site, um, and they were going to pick it up from there. And he goes, a drop site? You know what that is? And now he's just been sort of, for the last six months, it's just been assuming that I'm a, I'm just a criminal in my off hours. Um. I've had that same situation at work where I drop something and people are like, how did you, here's, here's what I've found. Just say, I watched the wire. Mm. Mm. And people give you a pass. They go, oh, okay. All right. All right. That's how you know that. <laughs> so Spencer, Spencer, just keep going. Leave us, leave us story. Yeah. Do you have a story? No, no, I don't have an on-brand this week. Okay, well, we're over an hour. Should I save? Should I save another on-brand for next week? I feel like you're going to have uh, like five more on-brands by the time we record again next week. So, accumulate these things. I mean, the, the story. I think the story you could do one what, more. Yeah. The story is what what finally is enough to compel me to go see a doctor. Just to follow up to our prior discussions on the subject. Of where, um, Lee, I think I mentioned this to you. Of where, a start of. This last week, uh, I was doing some work and I stood up and I was working in the kitchen and suddenly I felt like somebody very aggressively stabbed me in my back lower right abdomen. And then kept stabbing me somewhat less aggressively about four or five times afterwards. And my default response to that was, wow, that was unpleasant. Glad that's not going to happen again and did nothing. And that kept going for about three days before... Finally, by 
other people talking me into it, I decided it'd be a good idea to finally schedule an appointment on that list of various doctors. My mom found me. How many months ago was that I brought that up? Oh, God, it had to be at least six, eight, right? I don't even know. It was, early, that, it was yeah. earlier in this podcast. Uh, have any of you been to a doctor since all this started or tried to go to a doctor since all this no, started? No, of course not. Uh, it's a, it, it, but it, I was going to. Have you been to a doctor since they handed out lollipops? <laughs> of course. <laughs> that's a lie. Okay, go ahead, Spencer. I had a battle with cancer, and I, <laughs> I yeah, that's right. that. That's true. Yep, he did. Very true. I could see you getting a lollipop for that. All right. Back cancer. I wanted to ask because it's a high hill. Yeah, have we told that story on the podcast? Yeah, we have. <laughs> Making sure. Uh, I haven't been to a doctor since I turned 18, so I was just wanted to check to see whether the experience has changed because it was, I guess, I mean, recent events probably contributing, really hard to find a doctor to go to. I called about five separate offices, and the, for the first four, one said it was a concierge practice, which I'd never even heard of was a thing. Have you guys heard of that? Yeah. It's it's becoming more and more common. It was for, for Terry and I. Can you explain what that is? Yeah. Uh, I mean, BJ can probably provide better detail, but for me, it basically just said I had to pay a nineteen hundred dollar membership fee to join them before they would then ever see me. So basically, there are a lot of doctors' offices that that want to cut costs by not having a billing department or making decisions about what insurance they're going to take and so basically usually what they'll do is have a fee that gets you a certain number of appointments time with the doctor and things like that and then usually you submit your insurance claims from there and so basically they can minimize the staff that they have and maximize the amount of time that they can spend with patients because they're not doing a lot of the paperwork and billing that's associated with modern medical care. And you're, you're still like the Korean barbecue of, 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 med of medicine. This is nonsense. I'm not submitting my paperwork. <laughs> I was going to say, don't you love Korean barbecue? I thought this was just, you'd be fucking on board with this. Like you can submit whatever you want with that. The food. Not like a, an, a new thing though, because like a lot of out of network providers. So my insurance will cover some level of out of network providers. It's, it's minimal, but some. And I have to do that whenever I go to an out-of-network provider. I, I have to submit my claims. It's actually not as hard as the doctor's offices pretend it is. I always hear them bitching, but I, it's pretty easy for me. I, I think for the most part, it's a lot of routine stuff. And then there are some insurance companies that are more of a pain to work with. And yours is probably not because, <laughs> because of your employer. Anyway, Spencer. Well, yeah, they justified to me is that, well, you're essentially paying for access whenever you want in any way you want. Um, that you're, you're getting priority on all things. Uh, and he's affiliated with other doctors and you're part of their network and you're paying for that and you're on priority and all of that, but I'm not paying $1,900 to see a doctor I've, ne I've never even met before. Um, several others were saying- they, on brand. Yeah. Uh, two others said they were just closed and not available. Another one said they weren't taking patients right now because of recent events. And a final one was open uh, and asked me about 45 questions about whether I had any symptoms for coronavirus, uh, which, you know, fair. Uh, went down to see them because I've got a family history of uh, kidney stones and those kind of symptoms just screamed either, you know, some kind of musculoskeletal back pain or kidney stones in terms of where the location was. So I was like, eh, well, even I am going to go in and get that checked. 
because it was getting it was getting a little bit pretty unpleasant of where it was happening about five times five or six times a day and it was enough that it was making me gasp or you know take my breath away and that was something i would really prefer to have stop so went down to the doctor's office and and again it's just weird for me because i have not been to a doctor since literally before i went to unc i did a physical before i went to unc because unc required it as part of attending um and went in there was a giant metal girders that were blocking off the area where you'd normally see the nurses and they were talking to you through an intercom uh there was a set of paperwork out there to fill out everybody was was in a mask the entire time um it's about nine reams of paperwork to fill out filled it out Got called in, I was in a mask. First thing they did was take my temperature uh, just to confirm whether I was, what I was telling them on the phone was bullshit. Um, then I got to meet with the doctor and he, you know, nice guy, did the test, everything else. About five minutes in, he asked me, oh, so how's Bridget doing? Uh, fine. And he, he, looked at, he looked at me because confused because I was like, how the hell do you know Bridget? He's like, well, you know, I'm her doctor, right? No, I didn't know that you were a doctor. I had just by sheer happenstance and insurance and the fact he was one guy was open, signed up with Bridget's primary care provider. The two of us apparently never talk enough to me to confirm that I was going in to see her primary care provider. Okay, question for you, Spencer. You guys aren't married, you don't share a name. How did the doctor make the connection between you and Bridget? I wrote, I wrote her in as my, as my emergency contact. That's okay. creepy. That's a HIPAA violation. There's, there's, there's no way he can, he, he can disclose that information. Yeah, even disclosing that you're treating someone is a HIPAA violation. Apparently, he was under the assumption that she, she was the one that referred me or something else. Hmm. Well, choices. He was a little bit sheepish afterwards, but it was just entirely happenstance that that happened. But uh, yeah, um, apparently, that is what is necessary to finally compel me to go in to go see a doctor. And he said the view, it's probably musculoskeletal, but they did a urine test, a blood test. And I'm hopefully going to find out here in a couple of days because uh, I would prefer to have this stop in some shape or form. Can you talk about doing the, the sort of the things to break it up? The things if we're doing very, if it's back, if it's back related, doing various stretches, probably get me in touch with a physical therapist to uh, look into that. Also just ask me whether any of my patterns or routines have changed over the last three weeks, which given that I'm working from home on a couch, obviously possible. Yeah, and I was about getting... to ask Spencer, like, have you thought about investing in desks since you basically only do desk work and I assume that like, you're hunching over a bed the entire day? Yeah, and uh, BJ, very uh, appropriate question right now because we're looking at Spencer on the webcam and I can see his knee. Uh, it's not, a great ergonomical, not a great ergonomical <laughs> situation for you. Yeah, if this is going to be a much more several month thing, I'm going to need to think of a more permanent solution for how to do this kind of shit. Um, so yeah, I feel like you could invest, like you could, you could, you know, bite the bullet and spend the, you know, however much money on, on a desk and I'm also in a I mean, Florida home space is minimal for you. I'm probably just going to end up setting up a permanent desk around the kitchen table just to make that work. I guess you have, you have a spare bedroom. Just push the bet. Oh my God, Spencer. I can't. Spencer, I can't Spencer what are you talking about? You just said I'm in a Florida home space is minimal. You're not in New York. You're, you're what are you talking about? I didn't check. I didn't check out. Uh, just because you're you're in a very uh, small space doesn't mean that's a normal thing for Florida. Mm -hmm. um, but so Spencer, um, 
this is a sign of how much I don't like doctors and that my my default is that it'll be okay, which is my, when I was hearing that story, I was thinking, hey, you probably should stretch more. Probably should get, you know, one of those those sort of hard, um, hard rubber um, uh, rolling pins. Uh, yep, foam roller and, uh, and and stretch more because it's probably, it, of us, us four, you probably have the worst posture in terms of working, I, I imagine, than all of us. Yes. Uh, and, and that was his default. Is it, Bob, since you're sitting there with your shoulders slumped forward, this is probably an issue of stre stretching and posture. So here's some things I recommend. But given your family history and given the location, it could be kidney stones. So drink like nine glasses of water a day until I tell you otherwise. And you probably should just keep doing that generally. Also, I want to read, like, toss in there. Glasses usually means, like, not not like a, a tall glass of milk glass, like, you know, six glasses. ounces or whatever. Yeah. Okay. You did also ask you about, about, about my drinking. And I said that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this reminded me of the conversation you two had of where um, we had with your doctor of where I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm drinking a little bit more regularly because of, of um, drinking with some friends. He said, well, you know, drinking is not directly related to kidney stones, but it can also help dehydrate you, which can lead to problems. So you might want to dial that back. And I had to tell him, no, let's find another way. Because this is something I do with my friends. So it's very much a similar like moment like you. And to, to his credit, as compared to your doctor, he said, okay, well, there's, certain, there's definitely other things that we can do to work around that. Like, I've never been to a doctor or heard a story about a doctor where they said, um, how much do you drink? And the person gave an answer. Doesn't matter what it is on the spectrum. And the doctor didn't go, well, you could probably dial that back a little bit. Every single, you could be like, yeah, I have two a week. And they're like, could you get it to one? Yes, because doc doctors are basically the help, you know, IT help desk of, of medicine. Like, like primary care providers, they're just like, eh, just cut it all out. Um, just, just reboot your body. Just don't, don't do anything fun. Um, you just invite you stopping away. drinking and then started drinking again and see if the problem solves itself. <laughs> there you go. Little little experiment. <laughs> Lee, after your story of your doctor just refusing to accept you saying no, that's not something I wanted to do. I was reassured this one was like, okay, well, there's definitely ways we can work around we can work around to uh, help treat it otherwise. Yeah, I, and it's interesting. I told that story and I've I've kind of it's been nagging on me since I told it because there's so many other things that that doctor did that were problematic. I, I focused on the drinking for the, for the pod, but she's, she's just a jerk, like just in life. You're not with her anymore, right? I do not go to her anymore, no. Also, Spencer, it may be a sign that, that, that he treats people in Florida and he, you know, <laughs> he was there. <laughs> like he was happy that you weren't angling for, for Oxycontin. Uh, he's like, okay, you're, you're not asking for, for opioids. Uh, I, th I think we're okay. Maybe if you have a couple of drinks. Yeah. And I was in Carborough, so he, she was expecting me to just go cold turkey and just start running marathons. Oh, he pretty much straight asked me, he said, okay, um, we've got kidney stones. Are you here for painkillers? I really thought about it at the time. I was like, oh, okay. Retrospect, you're trying to try to assess that question pretty directly. Yes, I am. <laughs> I now that you've brought it up, yes. <laughs> Appreciate that. Well, but the other thing is he, he probably was assessing yeah. whether, yeah. Yeah, because he's going for back pain, which is the canonical thing to go into uh, for uh, right. opioids. It, it makes was, sense. For a new patient, he was assessing drug-seeking behavior, I'm sure. Which is also weird. So do, do you think he would have been like, um, uh, so, so Ms. Silver, um, I see that, that you're, are, are you worried about drug-seeking behavior and 
I checked with Bridget. Apparently, Bridget had even, when I had scheduled it, she called in to schedule her own appointment and had mentioned that she was seeing me. So that was another way that he confirmed that we were talking. Um, still not, I don't know, actually hit the area of the line of no jack shit about, but there were communications going on I did not know about. Interesting. But yeah, I have, I have now have a regular doctor who I'm hopefully going to get test results back from sooner than we got the uh, coronavirus test results. That's good. That's important. So before we wrap up, I think um, I need to to further this, and and we'll actually start doing this and start sending Doug some needlepoint, and see what happens. <laughs> uh, um, kind of drop drop the ball on that. So I think maybe start with some hoops, um, and you know one of us can take care of that, and then then maybe we'll go on to to some thread and, and needles and things like that. So you're not going to start with like a you're not going to start with like a preset kit. Of words, oh, set God, design no. is going to make or anything else like that. Because, because then you keep, like then it's done. Okay, that's just a one-off. That that that's just like, hey, we're going to find out if, if he likes needlepoint. Which I wasn't sure if you weren't trying to start a hobby with him. See what happens. See you know. See if he starts posting you know finished needlepoint products on Instagram or something. If any member from uh, the will. circle group. I follow yeah. him on Instagram. Yes, he will. You know, if, if, if there's any member of a circle, you yeah. have any uh, patterns that you want to, you know, try and get him to 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 post on Instagram. You know, we'll see how far we can take this. It's the, the the symbol of the Navy. If we could get him to do that, that would be pretty strong. Send <laughs> him the Marine logo. <laughs> All right, guys. Anything else we want to cover before we wrap up? I think it's good. All right. I enjoyed it. This is uh, week 372 of the coronavirus lockdown episodes. Oh, yep. I have one more thing that I forgot to ask. I was nailing the outro there, BJ. Were, and, and I completely, completely messed you up. Spencer, do you have any 420 plans? No. <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll work, maybe. This is a work day, isn't it? <laughs> it is a work. That's exactly what I wanted. All right, sorry, Lee. Go ahead. No worries. Uh, Whiskey on the Weekend is recorded April 19th. Enjoyed it, everybody. Bye.